Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well today, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day it is for y'all. I appreciate y'all joining me and giving me a little bit of your time, as always, and for those of y'all that continue to share the podcast with others and help it to grow, thank y'all so much, uh, because y'all are the reason that it's continuing to grow. Gonna take one of our little walks down the dirt road. A couple puppy dogs today. One children. And a host of different birds. Sun is out. Does not appear to be a single cloud in the sky. As I've noted the last couple podcasts, spring is definitely here. So today. We're going to talk about two things that both deserve more time than 15 or 20 minutes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but uh, we're just going to kind of briefly touch on them. And I'm pulling this from the Encyclopedia God and Country and from a little bit from the Founder's Bible. One of the best ways that we can see how much of a Christian nation America was founded as is by looking at, which we do quite often, the actions and the words of that founding generation, much more so than listening to television today or popular culture or sadly even education because we've we've taken it out of education. So we're not even teaching our children correctly anymore. And really haven't been for quite a while. And so what I wanted to talk about was prayer. Uh, Her pastor last week actually talked about this, went through and broke down. Had a couple different ones actually break down the Lord's Prayer. And so I wanted to read through a couple of comments by some of our founding fathers on what, what they thought the importance of prayer was one comment and this is coming a little excerpt from the founders bible is that between 1620 and 1815 there were over 1400 official calls to prayer by colonial state and federal governments so the idea that our country was founded by and these, these were Christian prayers, folks. Let's, if you can't even acknowledge that, uh, I was talking to my father the other night. If, if you can't acknowledge, if you can't start the discussion acknowledging that these people were talking about God the Father of Jesus Christ, you really can't have an honest conversation uh, with them. Because that's just, it's blatantly obvious the more you dig into. So these prayers, over 1,400 of them, and now we have two children that have decided to come out, as you can hear in the background, <laughs> which is good. Come along. Maybe they'll learn something, or at least they'll have a good time. So the idea that when you see this, all these calls, official calls to prayer at the colonial level before we were a country, 
and then at the state and the federal level, folks, praying to God the Father and Jesus Christ, calls from government officials publicly requesting that the citizens, all citizens of the United States, pray, and then to turn around and say, well, we're a secular nation. We weren't founded on God and Jesus Christ. It's just absurd. It's not logical, and, it, and, and it's ignoring historical facts. So, one of the founders that we've talked about often was John Jay, first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. And this is a comment from him about prayer. Had it not been the purpose of God that his will should be done on earth as it is done in heaven, he would not have commanded us to pray for it. That command implies a predication and a promise that in due season it shall be accomplished. And what Jay, John Jay is referring to here, of course, is the Lord's Prayer. If you're not familiar with it, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's the part that John Jay was talking about right there. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So he was saying, if if God didn't intend for us to pray for his will to be done, he wouldn't have put that because Jesus Christ teaches us to pray this way. So again, here, folks, is the very first chief justice of the Supreme Court. There's no polite way to say this. Obviously, he knew more about the founding of the country than the bodies of men that passed the separation of church and state atrocities in the middle of the 20th century. And, and they had no clue. They either had no clue or, or you've got to acknowledge some kind of evil, some kind of malevolence. Because there's no way to look back at our history and see how we were founded and what our founders talked about. And, and not see <laughs> one of my children's just found a stone that looked remarkably like an egg. It's the little things, folks, in life. But there's no way to look back and not see the history of our country and see that we were founded as a Christian nation. And here's, here's the rub. All right, it was interesting. Somebody hit me about the podcast, or actually it wasn't about the podcast. They hit me on a completely other quote this week, uh, and they they used the quote, though, out of the Treaty of Tripoli, which we talked about on one of the last couple podcasts. And so I just responded with that podcast, and they took that line out about saying we're not founded as a Christian nation. But, of course, that's the same thing that the left did with separation of church and state. They pulled one little line, not even the whole sentence and twisted it to mean what it didn't mean, the exact opposite of what it meant, right? And, and, and if we knew this history, then we would know that. And if people claim to, like on the Supreme Court body, if these men claim to be experts about Constitution and the history of our country, they should have known that we were absolutely founded as a Christian nation. And, and the difference is, though, here's the deal. You can't force people to be Christians. You don't have to be Christian to be American. But if we don't have Americans that follow the teachings of Christ, the republic's gone. It's over, which is, as we say, what we see today. That prayer, the Lord's Prayer, 
was in public school textbooks for a couple hundred years and used to be part of the daily routine of public schools. Come in, first thing in the morning, uh, Lord's Prayer, some other Bible verses and lessons. At some point came along the Pledge of Allegiance, all referring back to the thing that has made America great, which is God. John Quincy Adams, one of our early presidents, made the comment about, well, I'll just read it to you. My mother was the daughter of a Christian clergyman. In that same spring and summer of 1775, when I was only seven, she taught me to repeat daily after the Lord's Prayer before rising from bed, the Ode of Collins on the Patriot Warriors, which was a patriotic poem. Now, 71 years after they were taught me, I repeat them from memory. His mother was Abigail Adams, the wife of President John Adams. And then just shortly before he died, there was a statesman, John Chandler Davis, that was talking with Adams about the Lord's Prayer. And, and this is another quote from John Quincy Adams. In 1847, I became well acquainted, or this, this is a quote by Davis about John Quincy Adams' comments. In 1847, I became well acquainted with him and frequently met with him and talked with him in the House of Representatives. I remember one morning in 1847, if you don't remember, John Quincy Adams, I think, was the only president that went back and then served again as a politician. And he served as a as a senator, a representative. He served as a representative. I remember that one morning in 1847, I met with him before the house was called to order. He was very feeble. It was not long before the subject of religion was introduced by Mr. Adams. Among other things, I remember his saying, there are two prayers I love to say. The first is the Lord's Prayer, and because the Lord taught it. And the other is what seems to be a child's prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep, etc. And I love to say this because it suits me. And, he added, I love this prayer so much that I have been repeating it every night for very many years past, and I say it yet. And I expect to say it my last night on earth if I am conscious. But, he said, I have added a few words to the prayer so as to express my trust in Christ, and also to acknowledge what I ask for, I ask as a favor and not because I deserve it. This is it, said he. And then he repeated it as he was in the habit of saying it. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. For Jesus' sake. Amen. This was in 1847. He died in 1848 while I was living in Washington. And I have no doubt that the child's prayer that just suited him was reverently repeated every night until he died. There's no possible way, folks, that we can look at little quotes like this, little comments. I've got one, for, one more for you, though, and not see how strong a role faith in God and Jesus Christ played in the lives of our founders and the formation of our country. And the idea that we have allowed the left to drive separation of church and state 
and and all the evils that have come from that just it's hard to think that it's out of anything other than either gross ignorance on our own part or indifference or cowardice and and it's impossible not to see that we have a fight coming folks those two sides they're irreconcilable you can't have people that stand for the evil godless values of the left and people that stand for our founding faith and principles based on Christ's teachings coexist in the same country. And this has happened at times before. Revolutionary War was the first one, Civil War. You can make the comment outside of the country for World War II. But the point is there has to be a break. And it's not the responsibility of those of us that cling to our republic's founding faith and principles to leave. It's the responsibility of those that reject them and embrace evil and godless values that are undermining our republic. It's their responsibility to leave. There's no place here. There's other countries around the world if they want to go and have those values that they're more than welcome to go to. But we have no responsibility to give them part of America. And really, folks, we have no right to do so. Too many men and women have fought and died and bled and suffered and lost loved ones for this country for us to just go, well, let's just let's just split the country. Let's just separate it into into different chunks, different halves, thirds, maybe, maybe fourths. You know, we'll just give we'll give them this little piece and this little piece and we'll keep this piece. We have no right to do that. No right. And they have no right to expect any place here when they stand for values that consistently, purposefully undermine and attempt to destroy this republic. President Washington kept a prayer journal. Let's find this real quick, if I can. And then if I have time, I want to make one small comment that my wife and I were talking about recently. So 1752, George Washington created a personal prayer book consisting of 24 pages in his field notebook in his own handwriting. Uh, there's they're day by day and I don't have time to read them all, folks. They're great. I'll come back to it. Maybe maybe one day we'll just do a podcast just on Washington's prayer book, which is ironic yet again that the father of our country would turn to God and Jesus Christ and and recommend that others do so and and help found this country, but we're supposed to believe that it's just based on secular or some generic mother nature deism. Right. This is from his Wednesday morning prayer. Almighty and eternal Lord God, the great creator of heaven and earth and the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look down from heaven in pity and compassion upon me, thy servant, who humbly prostrate myself before thee, sensible of thy mercy and my own misery. Help in all affliction or adversity. Give them patience and a sanctified use of their affliction, and in thy good time deliverance from them. Forgive my enemies. Take me unto thy protection this day. Keep me in perfect peace, which I ask in the name and for the sake of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> That's the president of our country, folks, the founder, the father of our country, talking to God the Father and Jesus Christ in a prayer book that he wrote himself in his own handwriting. And yet the left today wants us to believe that we're founded on secularism or uh, just the Republican ideas of the Roman Empire with, with no thought to God and Jesus Christ. It's absurd and it's an absolute lie. Last thing, and I really need to go back and give some more time to this and I'll try to. 
But as we were driving down the road the other day, we had gone to get some plants, flowers or something, and my wife and I were talking. And as we got to talking, for some reason, we were, we were talking about this whole boondoggle cluster with transgender athletes, and, and that's a whole other topic, folks. But the point is, as we were talking, I got to thinking about, and with very few exceptions, the more research I do, each of these great founding fathers had an absolute rock star wife with them. Abigail Adams for John Adams, Martha Washington, George Washington, Benjamin Rush, we just talked about his wife the other day, uh, Julia, I believe, I might be wrong on that. And the list goes on, folks. And why do I bring this up? Because the success of that founding generation was not insignificantly based upon the fact that men and women filled, fulfilled the roles that God had given to them. Husband's supposed to be the leader of the house. Wife is supposed to be the helpmate. Those men and women filled those roles to a T, and our country would not have been near as successful, would not have been near as great if we didn't have a people that also followed those. There's no way in the world that you could have had George Washington be as successful as he was without a wife that was as strong and rock solid as his wife, Martha Washington, was. It just wouldn't have happened. And these men acknowledge that. John Adams talked frequently about his love for his wife. Truman was another one, more recent, that relied heavily upon his wife. And they fulfilled those roles, folks, as, as helpmates, while their husbands fulfilled those roles as leaders. And the problem today is that we want to pretend that men and women are the same, not equal. That's not what the left wants to pretend. They're not, they claim that they're talking about equality, but they're not. What they're talking about is pretending that men and women are exactly the same. And that's two wholly different kettles of fish, folks. That's not the same at all. We are equal. We have equal value because of, of God, the way he created us. And he created us differently for different roles with different strengths and responsibilities. I mean, different strengths and weaknesses to complement each other. And the farther we have gone away from those roles and tried to make each other the same, the more and more destructive to our republic it has become. And you see that today, the whole transgender issue, which is where this conversation, because my wife was a Division I college athlete, this is where this conversation went. We now have real women being attacked and censored and even threatened to be kicked off teams because they don't want to be in the same locker rooms or compete against men who are mentally ill and pretending to be women. When we don't speak the truth, folks, when we don't speak honestly, we just hurt ourselves and we hurt others. Homosexuality was a mental illness in 72, 73 by professional medical personnel. Transgenderism was until the last few years. Removing those hasn't helped. It's caused more harm. And particularly 
this idea that men and women are the same, <laughs> it would have been ridiculed in our founding era, and for good reason. Because the men and women there knew that their roles were different, knew that each of their roles were equally important, but different. Just a little side comment there, folks. We'll come back and hit that sometime. Thank you all for joining me, giving me a little bit of your time. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of whatever is left of your day. Remember, Patrick Henry, sphere of influence. Wherever you go, folks, whatever you do, you have influence. You can spread the truth. God bless you all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to you all again real soon. Looking forward to it.